Hello and welcome to Really Well Women with me, clinical somatic educator Heidi Hadley and naturopathic doctor Sarah Wilson. Really Well Women is here to educate, empower and enhance the health and well-being of women who have many demands and yet they want to take care of themselves from the inside out. Enjoy our podcast as we delve into all areas of health and well-being. So are you ready to find out more? Let's get started. Now in this podcast, I'm going to talk to you about movement. Now, Sarah and I discussed movement in the previous podcast, and I just wanted to add a little bit bit more meat on the bones, as it were, from what we were discussing, because uh, movement's a huge subject, and Sarah and I discussed quite a bit, and I just thought I wanted to use this opportunity just to add a little bit more, um, add reasons behind some of the comments that were said, um, so that we can just develop from there. Okay, so now what I would like first to do is just discuss discuss the common belief that strengthening the core and stretching has been used to ease back pain. And so this has been something that people have mentioned for quite a while, but I'd like to use this podcast today to get us to consider if those beliefs are still relevant, because recent scientific research is showing things to be quite different to what we've always believed to be true. Now, in the podcast that you're going to hear soon, um, Sarah and I are going to talk about habits and routines. And so I'm just going to delve into that very briefly here because it's very relevant to what this podcast is about. And that is that we are creatures of habit. You know, if you think about it, we do the same rituals on a daily basis. So we live the majority of our time subconsciously or on autopilot. We do the same activities every day, often without a second thought. And the thing is, while we're living subconsciously, the senses within our muscles are recording these repetitive actions all the time. And for many times and for many reasons, our brain will start to notice that we're living quite a sedentary lifestyle. For instance, just think about this for a moment. Think of how many times you're sitting down, maybe sitting at the computer. You might even be having a a stand-up desk that you're at, but you're still leaning forward. And so what's happening is that the sensors within your muscles are relaying this information back to your brain. It could be the repetitive action of, say, carrying a child on one hip, for instance. If you do that long enough, your brain starts to adapt and change the level of tension within your waist muscles. So what you find is one hip is hitched higher than the other, and then that starts to affect your walking. And so what happens is, is that all this information is being relayed back to your brain. And so it's telling your brain, let's, for example, say because of that contraction that you've only got, say, 40, no, let's say 60 percent use of your muscle range. So from all that contraction over the time, 40 percent of your muscles are tight. You know, so if if we're talking about carrying a child on one hip, for instance, if you do that long enough, 40 percent of those muscles are tight. So you've only got 60 percent use. So that means that this 40% of contracted muscle may start to develop in maybe your hips or on one side of your waist. It could be your abdominals, your chest, your shoulders, your neck. And if these muscles are regularly tight, your brain starts to realize that it's only got 60% use of the muscle. So over time, your brain's become conditioned and it starts to know how to get tighter and more contracted, but it's forgotten how to release and let go. So it's learning a behavior of tightening and contracting. That's all it knows. If we add extra factors in, such as stress, anxiety, fear, negative thoughts, limiting beliefs, 
not allowing enough time for ourselves and also unable to set boundaries and learn to say no. What actually happens is these psychological factors start to create tightening within our muscles and we don't notice it until one day we suffer some agonizing pain that that, that's it. That's the final straw. I mean, I get clients say to me, all I was doing was bending over, um, polishing a coffee table and my back went on me. And I always say it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. There's been a lot of things before that to happen before we actually get that agonizing pain. And it's that alarm bell that we need to change something. And also other factors can be involved. It it could be, say, your sports, your hobbies, exercise. You see, sports and exercise are really important for our health and well-being. However, once again, our muscles will gradually get tighter and tighter with strength work. Remember, our brain knows how to tighten and contract, but it's forgotten what it's like to soften the belly of your muscles and let that tension go. So before you know it, you're walking around with a very rigid body. There's no fluidity in your movements anymore. There's no more shock absorbency. And that's where then the joints start to get affected too. And so really over time, these rigid, tense muscles start to cause back pain and we start to feel quite tired. And it's no surprise, really, if you think about it. Imagine if we were to tense, imagine try doing this now. Can you tense your bicep? So make a bicep curl. Imagine if you tense that all day. You can imagine how tired your muscles and your joints around your shoulders, your elbows and your wrists would be. And likewise, that's the same thing. If we've got tense type muscles through our back, maybe the waist, our abdominals, our intercostals, those are the muscles between our ribs, our chest, shoulders, neck, hip flexors, glutes. If this area all starts to get really tight, then it's basically going to create a catalogue of events that we've mentioned in previous um, podcasts and future ones where things just get tighter and tighter and we, we're getting caught in a very tight like corset or vice-like grip. We just can't get out. And so this is where I'd like us to start looking at the advice that we receive and how up to date is it as regards scientific research, because there are two common beliefs that still appear to be quite apparent in certain areas of health. And one of them is to stretch the muscles and the other one is to strengthen the core. And this is all for back pain. But I'd actually like us to consider these two approaches Okay, so first of all, about stretching. Now, you know, we hear a lot about stretching to release tension. But you see, thanks to neuroscience research, we're now getting a deeper understanding of how our brain communicates to our muscles. And what we understand now is that there are sensors and these these sensors are within our muscles and they are programmed by a certain area of our brain known as the sensory motor cortex. Now, this is also known as the brain map or the homunculus. You may have heard that. So the incoming sensory information from the muscles will tell portions of our brain map how to contract the muscle. And so over a relatively short period of time, your brain will start to recalibrate. And so if the muscles are always staying quite tight and at the same length, the senses within this region will start to alter and call that the new normal or the new baseline for what would be a 0% start. So as I mentioned a bit earlier, this may actually be 40% of the muscle contracted. 
So really, it's a false reading. So your brain is detecting that 40% of the muscle is contracted. But if we do it long enough, your brain to muscle communication will recalibrate and thinks that that's 0%, thinks that's the starting point for movement. So really, in order to soften the belly of our muscles, we have to create a three-step process known as pandiculation to reset the muscle length. So this is different to stretching, and let me explain why. And that's because this three-step process includes a muscle technique to actually help jumpstart or wake that portion of your brain, which has gone into autopilot, really, that area that's saying, stay contracted, stay tight to the muscle. So once we have our brain's attention, we can start to actively lengthen the muscles. And we do this by allowing our brain to learn how to fully release You see, when we do this, we actually start to become more somatic or more internally aware of how our muscles are operating and how to fully release and let go of that tension. You see, then when we do fully release, we're starting to explore and notice where our natural end range of movement is. And you see, when we do this, we start to wake up areas of our brain. Those synapses within our brain will start to absorb all this information and start to learn that actually we don't have to stay tight and contracted. When we create this three-step process, we contract the muscle, so we wake the muscle up. Then we start to lengthen and release the muscle, allowing your brain to notice where that full range of movement goes. And then at the end of that natural movement, we fully relax and we let the synapses in your brain absorb this information. And you see, when we do this, we repeat this movement over and over again. And this teaches the senses within your muscles to actually return back to the correct 0% or close to it. And this results in greater use of our muscles because if you think about it, we're going to feel less tired because the muscles don't have to stay contracted all the time. And we also will start to improve our strength because we're starting to use our muscles in a much more global way. However, there are still many um, people prescribing stretching for tight muscles. And as much as stretching may help to a certain degree, the belly of your muscle is continuing to be held contracted by those sensors within the muscles that are getting the commands from your brain. So until we actually teach our brain how to fully release the belly of our muscle, we'll continue, we can continue to stretch only. But when we do this, what we're basically doing is just stretching either side of a very tight belly. We're not getting the belly of the muscle to fully let go and release. And so stretching a tight muscle will often result in cramping and spasming, which is what Sarah mentioned in that previous podcast. She mentioned how that can happen. And and sometimes people tell me they think that means they've had a really good stretch session, but it's actually not the case because cramping and spasming is actually just informing us that the senses within the muscles have noticed that we're trying to force the muscle beyond what the brain thinks is zero percent. And so as a result of this, a spinal cord reflex kicks in and it's known as the stretch reflex. And this causes muscles to cramp and spasm because what it's trying to do is protect you from overstretching or tearing your muscles. And sometimes people can feel those hip and joint pains following the session and that's when they go, oh, it's been a good session. And inside I think, no, it's not. Because those comments are showing that you've actually gone right past a mindful movement into basically triggering a stretch reflex pattern. 
And so remember, the cramping and the spasming is a stretch reflex action. It's, creating that, it's created from a stretch reflex behavior because it's being stimulated to protect your muscle. And so in actual fact, what you find is that when the stretch reflex kicks in and it cramps and it spasms your muscle, the belly of your muscle will actually contract a few percentage tighter than it did before. So then we're back to square one. So pandiculation is much more effective because it's cortical changes. We're changing the way the brain is communicating to the sensors within the belly of the muscle. So remember, uh, when we pandiculate, we slowly contract the muscle. And that helps to wake up that part of our brain map, which is communicating to those muscles in particular. And then when we slowly lengthen and release the muscle, we're teaching your brain to muscle connection, the muscle memory of how to fully let go and release. And then the third phase is where we let everything just go and relax. And that's when all that information is flooding to your brain to change the synapses, those connections, so that we can create new healthy habits and teach your muscles knowing how to contract and when to relax at the right time. So we've now explored pandiculation and stretching, but what about strengthening muscles? You see, another common belief is that if you've got a bad back, you've got a weak core and you need to strengthen your core. However, and I went to his lecture last year, and that was in 2018, um, there's research from Professor Peter O'Sullivan from Curtin University in Western Australia, and he revealed that strengthening the core for back pain actually creates further tightening along the posterior wall of the abdomen, and it's causing pressure on the lower back muscles, and in actual fact, what it will do is amplify back pain. So the old thoughts that strengthening or bracing the core for manual handling has actually been shown to increase back pain. And as a result, there's been a major rethink on manual handling procedures around the world. And that's once again, thanks to the ongoing research that's happening with pain scientists, especially here in Australia, there's lots going on along that side of things. And so that's really where my role comes in, because as a clinical somatic educator, it's great to see that the research is now supporting what many somatic educators around the world have been saying for decades. And thankfully, the research is starting to consider the brain because for so many years, people have treated the body mechanically. You'll often hear one or two muscles being mentioned in a clinical setting. However, what I educate to health professionals around Australia with somatic movement and also I teach online with my Total Somatics online program and also with my clients in clinic is that we need to think somatically or globally when we're looking at muscles because it's so common and I see it in clinic quite often that people will come in and they'll say, I've just seen a health practitioner who's been treating a tight hamstring. And I say to them, it's not just about the hamstring. We need to stand back and consider looking at you globally, look at you with soft eyes because a tight hamstring works with other muscles. If you think about it, it doesn't just work on its own. And so it's working with muscles. And when it tightens, the brain has created this response for a reason. Why has it tightened? I always ask them to consider the fact that our brain patterns muscle tension in certain ways. And we need to think further about how we can treat the hamstring. It's only a symptom, really, of something that's going on elsewhere. And it's got nothing to do with it being a weak core muscle. There's often a lot more going on. 
And in somatics, in somatic movement, we talk about treating from the center to the periphery. So once we get your the movement of your muscles under your conscious control again, of knowing how to soften and release muscles in the lower back, in your abdominals, in your waist, so that your pelvis can actually find neutral again instead of either being a, a quite a dominant tail tuck or your bottom sticking out or one hip higher than the other. Once we get that part neutral and back to it, the, the correct centered position that it should be in, then everything else starts to flow from there. So that's always bringing back to the center, come back to the center of our body. Can we bring more of a neutral stance back? And so that's why really as a clinical somatic educator, my role is to facilitate you back to good health. I'm not here to fix you. And the notion of fixing a person creates what we've talked about in other podcasts about an authoritarian mindset, which means that the person takes ownership away and they place it on somebody else to sort out their issues. And that's the thing with somatic movement, mindful somatic movement, I am encouraging you to sense your muscles, to feel what they're like from the inside out. So after pandiculation, you're going to notice the contrast. And this is the great thing about somatic movement, because when you've pandiculated and then you notice the contrast afterwards, it helps your brain to start to increase its awareness to your entire musculature. And there's so much more as that than just your muscles. We've got your internal organs, we've got fascia, just even how you feel emotionally after you've done a session of, of pandiculations, because it really affects you on an emotional, mental level too. You see, at times, due to living in a hamster's wheel of life, we can become very cerebral and we can live in our heads and not actually notice what's happening within our body. And so it's really common for us to miss vital cues such as our breath rate, maybe a, a rapid heart rate. Maybe we notice our posture starting to change or maybe we don't notice that. And also we can miss vital cues of, say, our digestive function. All these are little subtle cues that if we're not fully embodying our soma, we don't notice these things happening. And so somatic movement changes that completely because once you realize that it has to come from your intention to feel better, to live with less pain, uh, to have greater movement and to have an improved posture, which if you think about affects everything then that's when you're going to start to see the improvements and if you think about it I'm often saying this uh, and that is that I can't go to the gym and get fit for you and likewise I can't do somatic movement and reduce your pain I can teach you with the knowledge and the skills that I've got within my online program but the effort must come from you so Think about it. Once you start working your amazing brain with somatic movement, you're going to notice the changes very quickly. And the thing is, if you go on to totalsomatics.com, you're going to start to see how that shifts and changes for you. So please take a look. There's lots of blogs on there. I've got lots of free material. There's a free ebook, And there's also pictures of before and afterwards. And you can see how your amazing brain, like the clients that run those photographs, how much and how quickly shifts can happen, either postural, their movement, their pain reduces, all these things. And in my free ebook, which you can find at totalsomatics.com, you can see how I, I mentioned about a few of my clients in particular where it's really helped for them. 
And so that's why Sarah and I have brought this whole podcast series together because we've got so much knowledge and so many skills that we want to give to you. And that's the thing is that I'm here to um, to help serve you as well as Sarah. And we want to get the the best out of everything for you so that you can really enjoy your life. But in particular, when it comes to somatic movement, I'm here to serve you and help you get the best out of the online program. If you want to join me online, please do, because the program is there to help you enjoy your life with reduced pain, improved posture, and also to increase your mobility, as well as start to develop mindfulness. So I hope this has been really helpful and I know Sarah and I have got plans to discuss so much more about posture, movement, um, pain, all those sorts of things in future podcasts. So please keep in touch. Any further questions, please let me know and I can add that into another podcast in the future. Until next time, take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more, go to reallywellwomen.com and connect with us. Also, spread the word so we can increase the feeling of really well women all around the world. So until next time, take care.